and uh, what an uh, amazing way. Don't you guys agree just to start off Sunday in worship and I um, uh, just want to welcome you guys and also uh, I was scolded by Naholo, our tech director, that you, I need to welcome those who are listening to podcasts, so welcome. Um, but if you guys go ahead and open your Bibles to James chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, uh, we're going to continue our series on faith works, that faith actually does take effect. It is effectual, and it's efficacious in our everyday life, all right? And um, uh, we know, uh, could I just, uh, just give a brief thing real quick? Uh, hey, if you're not planning to join us for a trunk or treat, please uh, plan to join us. This is an opportune time for us to really engage with the community um, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, you know, that a, a lamp that is hidden, you can't cover it, but a city needs to be lit up on a hill. In the midst of darkness, you guys, we need to shine the light of Jesus. Um, I don't know how many of you guys saw the newsletter, but man, when I was growing up, uh, our strategy for trunk or treat or Halloween was, oh man, oh, the kids are coming, they're very, they're the, the demonic costume, right? And so we had to turn off our lights and pretend like, oh man, I hope they don't knock, I hope they don't knock, and we pretended like we weren't home. Is that a way to live as light of the world? No, it's not, right? So what do we do? Romans 13 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? Good. So the darkness, the scare, I saw a Facebook uh, post of videos of little kids just totally frightened because there's adults hanging out and then they just scare them and it traumatizes children. I remember my kids went to Mariner's Village our first year here. Man, they had teenagers lurking in the bushes like, Roar! and then my kids were so scared and it just traumatized them. But this is the time, I think it was Dawson, that's why. <laughs> He's laughing over there uncontrollably. Um, but uh, it's a time for our, the church to really share and spread the love of Jesus. Then we're going to give them a foretaste of the kingdom of God, that everything is for free, the bounce house. And guess what, you guys? We just ordered knocker balls. So, yeah, we'll have four knocker balls out there and just kids just jump in, bump into each other and uh, shave ice, everything, and wonderful uh, trunks this year. Anyways, so not only is October 31st, Halloween, but does anybody else know what October 31st usually is? It is Reformation Sunday, where we celebrate the Reformation and how uh, the Protestant church protested, that's where we get the word Protestants, against the Catholic church, and we said, for by grace, through faith in Christ alone, we have the five solas. But one of the things in Reformation Sunday is this, you guys, that we hold on and we believe in the clarity of Scripture. The technical term that um, scholars use is the perspicuity of Scripture. And what that simply means is this, that we believe that the Bible is plain. It's easily understood. Not, not necessarily easily lived out, but it, it answers and it meets us right where we're at. Because today, James, he's going to open up about... A question that every parent has encountered and every one of us has is that, man, what causes fights? Why are you guys always fighting? You know, what, what causes quarrels and strife and conflict amongst us? 
And so what the Bible does, it, it very plainly and clearly, ber- very, very perspicuously, it cl- plainly and clearly tells us what the answer is. And it's not outside, it's not outside influence, it's not bad environment, it is inside, all right? So let's go ahead and stand up and let's read from James chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Uh, Noah, could we have the 25-minute countdown, please, so make sure I don't get over? Thank you so much. And you could follow along in your notes or in the screen if you have your Bibles. I'm reading from the ESV version. Here's a question, very plain and clear. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask but do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says, He yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. And here's the title of my message. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, um, we do do that this morning. We humble ourselves. We submit ourselves to you, we resist the devil and he will flee from us. Lord, this posture of humility, God, is the only place and the only way that we can receive grace upon grace. And so, Father, I pray, O oh Lord God, um, that you would work in us, that you would persuade us through the power of your Holy Spirit that through the gentle, soft-spoken voice of your word, that you will turn our hearts, that you, in your word, Lord, would reveal like a mirror areas in our lives where we have wrong passions, selfish desires, selfish ambitions, O Lord God, that causes conflict within our relationships. And I just pray, Father, that um, we would hang on to the hope that we have that you give more grace, that your grace is greater than our sin, that your grace is greater than our idolatrous hearts. So Lord, would you glorify yourself this morning? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So have you ever thought why there are so much fractured relationships in our world? You know, it seems like now, more than ever, there's a greater divide, especially in our nation. Well, James, the brother of Jesus, he asked the same question, and he asked, you know, what what causes quarrels 
and fights among you. You know, as a pastor and a communicator of the gospel, one of the worst things that I can do is to answer questions that nobody is asking, right? That has nothing to do with everyday life and how I love Jesus and follow Jesus. But I think this question of what causes quarrels among you is, is something that is very pertinent to where we're at. It's right at home to where we're at. I mentioned this before, but my kids, they're homeschooled. You know, uh, if you sit around for second service, they're usually over here. They sing their hearts out. My, my son Ezra, he lifts his hands in worship when I hold him. And, you know, we, we, we monitor what they watch. But, man, sometimes... Sometimes they just go through these things where they just fight and bicker and quarrel all the time. And before we used to think, oh, it's that iPad. Oh, it's those video games that you're playing. Oh, it's too much YouTube. It's those gadgets. It's those screen time. You guys are selfish and, you, and we try to limit. Here, here's the thing. We try to address the problem by trying to fix the symptoms instead of going to the root of things. And James says that, here it is, that what causes quarrels is not outside, it's not outside influence, right? It's not peer pressure, it's not in the device or the iPads or the YouTube or the video games or the Call of Duty or Fortnite, it is what? It is within us. And so here's the main point for this morning, is this, would you write this down? That the grace of God, if we could have that, Noah. The grace of God, the main point, please. Slide number five, there it is. The grace of God, greater than our sin, is freely given to those who humble themselves. If I were to summarize James chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, what James' thesis is, I believe it is this, that the grace of God it's greater than our sin. It's greater than the desires. And God gives it to us twice in these, two, in these verses. James says that God gives grace, but he gives it to those who are humble themselves. See, the key to our passage is found in verse 6. But he gives us more grace. And it's marked by the contrasting particle, but. Okay, because here it is, you guys. Verses 1 through 5 is basically bad news that you have desires, that you have passions, that we're covetous, that we're idolatrous people. It's like, man, way to lay it down, James. Like, oh my goodness. But in verse 5, he gives us the solution to our sin, which is the grace of God. And so let me just break this down real quick. And I'll start with this, that the grace of God, oftentimes we think of what? The favor of God, right? Right? the merit of God. When I was growing up uh, in the Christian church, we had a Christian version of Boy Scout, and we called it Royal Rangers, okay? I know, it's pretty cheesy. It was the 90s, all right? Anyways, and so we had this thing called Royal Rangers where we're Christian Boy Scouts, and we had to earn merit badges. So if you learn how to start a fire, you'd get a merit badge fire over here. If you learn how to knit something, you get a knitting badge over here. It's called a merit badge. Well, oftentimes we think of grace by the technical term. The Greek word is charis. Oh, what is the grace of God? Oh, it's unmerited favor. Just like a merit badge, you have to work in favor. You have to work for it, and you, you learn the skill. 
Well, God's grace is opposite. It's unmerited. You don't have to work for it and you don't deserve it. It's unmerited favor of God, which is true. But 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 says, And to your faith add virtue and virtue knowledge. Meaning that he keeps in, in 2 Peter 1, 5, he says that we're to add on to our faith. Could I add on this definition of grace to you? And he, here it is. Grace is something that God does for his people because we couldn't do it for ourselves. Yes, grace is a merited favor, but the grace of God that is something that he gives to us because we could not do it on ourselves. Can I change my own heart? I cannot. Can I heal myself? No, I cannot. Can I redeem myself? I cannot. Grace is something that God does for me because I cannot do it for myself or on my own. It's something that God does for me. So the grace of God, it's greater than our sin, and it's freely given to those who humble themselves. Let's go to point number one, which is verse one to two B. Number one, would you write down? Here it is. Inward desires cause outward conflicts inward desires it causes outward conflict let's read verse 1 to verse 2 here it says what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you the word quarrels there is the word uh, polemos which means to engage in serious and to engage in serious conflict, to fight or to war. What causes conflict? What causes battles? What causes the serious um, breach in relationships? And the word fights there, it means it's a serious conflict, either physical or non-physical, but it is a fight that is intensive and bitter. What causes for our relationships? You know what? You're dead to me. Oh, how could you do that to me? You hurt me so much. You did this to me. What causes these intense conflict between us, James says? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? So he uses a play on words with war, right? From conflicts or quarrels and fights. And he says it's, that it's because that our passions are within us. The word passions there, it means it's a desire for physical pleasure, often sexual pleasure. It's this word passion here, it's, it's used like a, it's like a lust, that, that we have lust within us. There's something within us that craves, and it, there's a battle within us. Verse 2, you desire and you do not have, so what? You murder. Now, the word murder there, I think... R.P. Martin, the New Testament scholar, says they literally, some of them had murdered each other. But I think the way that James uses it here, I think he's using it like Jesus would use it, right? That if you hate your brother, you've already committed murder against them. So I think this is how James is using it. He says, you desire, see, there we go. It goes to the inward stuff. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and you and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. See, 
inward desires, it causes outward conflict. James talks about desire early on in chapter 1. Let's look at that. Next slide, please, Noah. James chapter 1, verse 14 says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and is enticed by outside forces. No, by his own desire. Look at the irony here. Then desire, when it has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, it brings forth death. The problem, you guys, is not that we don't have. It's not a world of have and have nots. The problem is not that we don't have. The problem is what you want. The problem of relationships and how we, we insist on our rights. You need to respect me. You need to listen to what I say. You need to honor me. My ideas and my thoughts are important and you need to take that into consideration. It's this inward passion where we feel entitled, hey, you listen to me. And could I just say this, you guys? In, let's go to the next slide before we get into the, um, James chapter 1 to 2. This is what we call a chiasm, okay? It's from the Greek word chi, which is an X, okay? So it's like taking an X and cutting it in half. It looks like a less than sign, you know, greater than and less than. So if you look at it, it almost looks like a less than sign. And what, and you could see the literary structure, fights and quarrels are A. It's talking about fights and quarrels. There's a new idea now. It, come, it talks about coming from wrong desires. And he talks about the frustrated desires, going back to desires, the same idea. It leads to fights and quarrels. So fights and quarrels, disagreements, usually come because we have wrong desires and we have these passions and we have these covetousness that's within us. Could I just uh, say this? That our desires are not limited to stuff. Covetousness is not limited to things and gadgets. Covetousness can be anything that we want but we do not have. Covetousness, it could be, man, look at that person. They're so honored. They're so respected. Everybody worships the ground that they walk on. And if you want that, you know the word uh, jealous? A majority of the time it's used in the New Testament, it's referred to the Pharisees and how they were jealous and filled with rage and anger because the Pharisees wanted something that Jesus had. Jesus had authority, he had honor, he had power, and they didn't, they didn't have it, so the, the Pharisees were jealous of what Jesus had. They were covetous, they were coveting what Jesus had. Because oftentimes when I was studying, it's like, man, what causes fights is because we want something that we don't have. And I thought about the, 
one of the biggest fights and one of the most regrettable things, and I don't think I've ever shared this publicly. When I was 18, I got into a fight with my oldest sister. Now, I just got saved, so I'm all in this righteous path, right? And then I went to her room, I discovered that she had a, a boyfriend and they had like, you know, some pictures and stuff and this boyfriend was someone my parents didn't approve of and so I confronted her, you know, and self-righteous, hey, you know, how? and she wasn't, she's like, Psh, you're just my little brother. I was like, oh, I want to, well, you know, I'm going to Bible college, I'm going to be a pastor one day. I was like, Shh, shut up. Like, I'm like, oh. and I wanted the respect, the honor, and the authority, and I didn't have it. It's like, why don't you listen to me? Come on, you, you know, mom and dad, and, and just went on this thing, and she's just ignoring me and not giving me the time of day, and, I, and we were arguing and quarreling, and she was just, oh, I'm going to do my laundry, and she was just like, why don't you listen to me? And she wasn't listening, so... I hit, she was about to put softener, and then I hit her hand, it went in her eyes, and then poof, her eyes became super puffy. We had to call 911. And then um, I called my youth pastor. My youth pastor is like, Oh, John John, they're gonna arrest you. Yeah. You don't have, you're not a citizen yet, you just have a green card. <laughs> Why don't you go to your neighbor's house? So I went to my neighbor's house and they're gonna, <laughs> they're gonna deport you back to the Philippines. So I'm like, okay. That's why I married Renee for the papers. Anyways, I'm just kidding. It's not, I was, I was, I was already American citizen. You, you covet because you do not have. Anyways, but do you see that Oftentimes, it's this self-examination of like, why do you, if you, if you pause, take three seconds, when you're, when you're angry, why am I so angry? Is it because you have passions and desires that you want something that you do not have? What causes quarrels? Oh, how come that person they're so respected and you know I'm gonna do everything and then and here's the, the the violence of the human heart that we sabotage that we disrespect that we're sour and we're vengeful and it, it goes out in our words the problem is not outside influence the problem is the human sinful evil heart Jeremiah says who can understand the heart it is desperately sick Above all else, like who could understand the human heart? Who could understand that you're worshiping the Lord, crying, doing worship, and one little thing, one little text, some person looks at you wrong, you just start, you know what I mean? Just, oh, this is the score, oh, come on, you know, like who can understand the evil human heart? And, and James says, man, you know what? Inward desires, it causes outward conflict what causes fights and quarrels among you it's because of your desires within you what is in will eventually get out let me repeat that what is in your heart will eventually spell out 
So if there is passions, if there is de- wrong desires, if there is like this covetousness of getting so- you wanting something that you do not have, that is going to affect your relationships. That is going to affect your countenance of the way that you conduct yourself. That's going to affect your words. That's going to your, affect your joy. Number two, would you write down that motives matter, okay? Motives matter. Specifically, wrong motives matter. Look at Psalm 66, verse 18. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened to me. If you're taking down notes, would you write this down too? I I didn't put it up. I didn't want to overwhelm with notes, but here it is. Wrong motives destroy right action. Wrong motives, it will ruin, it will destroy right actions. The end does not justify the means. Where do we see that? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Verses 1 through 3, we all know this. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, if we could turn there, please. Verse 12, Paul says, this is the love chapter. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, if you don't have the motive of loving God and loving people, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I could understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that moves mountains but I do not have love, you have, I am nothing. Verse 3, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, your motive is to boast, look at me, look how much I'm suffering, look at me, look how much I'm following Jesus, look at me but you do not have love for God and for your neighbor, you gain nothing. You see here how wrong motives ruin right actions. And James says, you know what? What causes quarrels? Because you have your passions. Okay? And he says, and, and you keep asking and you don't get. Why? Because your motives are wrong. Thirdly, would you write down, and we'll go, we'll go ahead and close with this, that your desires determine your relationship with God. And I want to, this is the one where I really want to camp on. Uh, your desires, it determines your standing in your relationship with God. Let's look at verse 4. James chapter 4, verse 4. You adulterous people, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Now, the word friendship there is actually the the Greek word hafalia, Philadelphia. The word there is actually to have affection for based on association. You heard of the four um, types of love, phileo, it's a brotherly love, it's a friendship type of love. Well, James says, if you want to be friends, if you just want to be 
um, associate, if you want to keep friendship with the world, you are at enmity with God. The word enmity there, it means the state of being an enemy. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend, there's that word again, philos, affection or personal regard of the world, makes himself an enemy of God. That your desires determine your relationship with God. So if you want to be cool, if you want to be hip, if you want to be relevant, and if you want to be friendly, friendly with the world, then you automatically become an enemy of God. But if you want to be a friend of God, then you become an enemy of the world. What does it mean to be a friend of the world? Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. For the world, all right, here's the world. The Bible def- defines what the world is. It offers only a craving for physical pleasure. We, that's usually referred to as the lust of the flesh. For the world offers a craving for everything we see, the lust of the eyes. I don't have it, but I want it. And the world offers a pride in our achievements and possession. This is the pride of life. These are not from the Father, but these are from this world. And I said, the first four verses, man, it's, it's all bad news. It's like, man, if, if I want to be rich, who does not want to be rich? No one will raise their hand. We all want to be rich, but the Bible says, man, if you, if you have that desire to be rich, you, you, you've injured yourself with many pangs. And that some have fallen away from the faith because they have this desire to be rich. This desire for physical pleasure, this craving for everything that we see. Oh, look at that Tesla. Oh, that's so nice. Ooh, iPhone 11. Oh, there's three cameras. Mine only has two, right? It's this craving of the world. When you feed into that, these desires that we have, and we all have them, it would either make us an enemy of God or a friend of God. I love how C.S. Lewis says this. If we could go to the next slide, please, Noah. Prosperity knits a man to the world. I love those words. It's like a soulful connection. He feels that he is finding his place in the world, where really it is finding its place in him. Your desires determine your relationship with God. Christianity is not so much about your duty. Oh, I have to love the Lord with all my God, right? I have to walk out my convictions. I have to be faithful. Christianity is not so much about your duty as it is about your desires. Christianity is not so much about intellectual nobility of God. Christianity goes down to your affections, 
to your emotions, to your feelings of, man, I want God more than anything else. Look at 1 John, um, or John chapter 3, verse 19. This is the verdict. This is the judgment, John says. Light, Jesus has come into the world, okay? But people love, that word there is where we get the word agape, this unconditional love, because people love the darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. How come people resist God? How come people resist Jesus and put, don't put their faith in, it, in him? Is it because of um, apologetics? Is it because not having the right reason? Is it because proofs of the resurrection? Is it because of the manuscripts of the New Testament are insufficient? No, people loved darkness instead of light. And following Jesus and being a disciple of Christ, it is about what you desire. The bad news is that you and I have a propensity for sin. We have a sinful human nature. The irony is that we are made in the image of God. We want to do good. That's who God created us. But man, inherent in who we are, we're sinful. We have wrong desires. I never have to teach Ezra to lie or to steal or to cheat or to be selfish. He learned it on his own because why? It's in his nature. It's his desires to be right. It's his desire to be first. And this is like bad news that... Man, our desires, it determines we're an enemy of God. Our desires cause us relationship fractures and fights and quarrels between us. But here's the gospel, here's the good news. But he gives more grace. The grace of God is greater than your sin, than my sin. If you look through the Bible, it's the desires the bad news is that we, I cannot change my own heart. God had to remove my heart of stone and he had to put in a heart of flesh. That is called grace. He did something for me that I could not do for myself. And, he, and God changes my desires. God changes the, my appetite and my palate for what I want and what I crave, what I long for. Look at Psalm 42, verse 1. It's not on your notes, but I'll just list, list off how Christianity is about desire, not duty. Psalm 42, verse 1. As the deer pants or longs for streams of water, so my soul, it longs for you, O God. Psalm 63, verse 1. You, God, you're my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you with my whole being. It longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Psalm 143, verse 6. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you. Can you imagine just that angst that his whole being, his whole soul, it thirsts for God. Psalm 84, verse 2. My soul longs. Yes, it faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 1. Come all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters, you who have no money. Come buy and eat. Come buy 
wine and milk without money and without cost. Here's the good news, you guys. This is the gospel that God changes our desires. It's no wonder that people that we know who did not know the Lord and they have vices. One of the people that I know, like uh, Pastor Jay Mura from New Hope Hawaii Kai, was addicted to meth, smoked crack, and was a drug. And then he saw Pastor Wayne on television and, he, and through the TV said, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll make the most eternal decision that I could make. Follow the Lord. And as soon as he said yes to the Lord, his, he's never had a desire to do drug ever since. Why? Because God changes your desires. God changes your appetite. That the things of this world, that it begins to lose its appeal, that God changes your palate. That the things you found that's so satisfying, that's so filling, it's like, ah, I want my soul longs for God. That's who I really want to long for. Look at John Piper, and we'll close with this quote. Um, slide number 19, Noah, please. If you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Your soul is stuffed with small things, and there is no room for the great. What's John Piper really saying here? If you've really tasted, if you've really experienced the grace of God, man, that nothing else in this world can satisfy you. No amount of zeros on your bank account added can make you content. That no relationship can fill your soul. That no achievement can, will do it for you anymore. That once you've seen and tasted that the Lord is good, He changes you from the inside out. He doesn't want to exchange your behavior. Your behavior is a fruit of what happens first in here. And this is who God is. The bad news is we have wrong desires. It's about me, myself, and I, my way, my right, my privileges. Put myself first. It causes fights between my relationships. It causes me to be an enemy of God. But here's the gospel, but he gives more grace. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that God gives you more grace? Therefore, if you humble yourselves before God, he will give you grace. But if you're proud, he will resist you. So this morning, if you come to the with the position of the beggar, it's like, Lord, I can't do this on my own strength. I can't change my heart. I can't change my desires. You're going to have to do this, Lord. You're going to have to give me grace. Plead for mercy before God. Come in the position of a beggar. Lord, Lord, here I am. Change my heart. Change my desires. Change my priorities. And God will give you more grace according to the promise of his word. Amen? Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. That even though Friday is here, 
Sundays are coming. Yes, you died on the cross, Lord, but there is a resurrection. There is a victory. So, Lord, um, if there's anyone here, you just need a special prayer with all heads bowed and eyes closed, and you just say, uh, John, I need the grace of God because I've been trying to change myself. I've been trying to modify my behavior. I've been trying to do things for myself, but it's only God who can do it for me. That is the grace, the unmerited favor of God comes in. And if that's you this morning and you want God to change your heart, to change your desires, to change your priorities, to transform your affections, to perform a heart surgery, a heart transplant, where he removes your heart of stone, he puts in his heart to love, to seek, to follow after him. And you want to receive that. Could you just uh, raise your hand all over this place? Humble yourselves before God. Yes, 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 yes. Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. And so, Lord, you see their hands that are raised to you. Lord, you see, oh God, the humility within them. They're acknowledging that they cannot do it themselves, that they cannot change their desires. You have to do it. So, Lord, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, that there would be a transformation. Lord, that it would affect their relationships, that it would affect, Lord God, their status with you that they will not long for the things of the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, part of life, but Lord, that they would long to love you, to know you, to please you. So Lord, would your kingdom come upon your people that you would break, Lord, that you would break those vices, that you would break those strongholds, oh Lord Jesus, those desires that we've had, Lord, these habitual sins, oh Lord God, it comes from a sinful heart. So Father, change our hearts through the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I, I thank you, God, that you meet us where we're at. We thank you, Lord, that we can stand firm in your grace because you give us more grace, mega grace, oh Lord. Lord, we worship you this morning. We honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, hallelujah, amen. Let's all stand up, you guys. Amen. All right. Don't forget, you guys, that right after this, uh, we're going to have our discipleship class in about six minutes, all right? So let's go ahead. Let's lift up our hands and let's sing our closing song.